willfully ignoring to choose God's direction is deadly. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. This is Bible Discovery TV. We are studying the Bible. This is a great book in Leviticus pertaining to the Levites. This is an amazing passage. In about three minutes, we're going to study Leviticus chapter 10. It is a good day to read the Bible, so stay with us. Okay, Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? All right, I'm going to be taking a look at ancient Near Eastern mourning rituals. We see a lot of mourning in the scriptures, and we see some uh, in, our, in our assigned reading today as well. Ryan? Today, my segment documents the tragic deaths of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. They didn't take God's instructions seriously, and it cost them their lives. That's right. Very good. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Janice? Aaron held his peace. All right. So here we go. We're dealing with ignoring God, and the result is death. Let's open up the Bible and learn what God says. Leviticus 10, 1 through 7. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Then Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Aziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near, and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron, and to Eleazar and Ithamar his sons, Do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 7. Leviticus 9, Leviticus 10, and Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus is an interesting book pertaining to the Levites. This is fascinating. You know, many of us, we make hasty choices in life and then blame it on God when they go bad. But are we willing to live with the results of the choices we make? Hmm. How we answer that question depends on what we truly understand about the Creator God. In Leviticus 10, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, they made careless decisions in their role as priests when presenting God's offering. God had given specific instructions about how and when each type of offering was to be made. 
But Nadab and Abihu chose to ignore God's instructions. They offered unauthorized fire, meaning the fire that they brought in the handheld censer likely came from someplace other than the altar of the sanctuary, so that they mixed the common with the holy in verse 10. But more importantly, the Lord tells Aaron that his sons should not drink alcohol when they enter the tabernacle. So it appears that they were drinking, verses 8 and 9. Their hearts were not reverent before the Lord. Their blatant disobedience and disrespect to a holy God caused the loss of their lives. God's word to us should not be optional based upon what we think or how we feel. As followers of Jesus Christ, the living word, we need to know and commit our lives to follow him in reverence with ever-present help of the Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us. Now, this is important. I'll tell you today's lesson, this is important. Take your Bible guide, if you have it, and turn to January, because this is really critical. If you don't have a Bible guide, write to us or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on the page, and the page, it's great because it'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. But then it takes you to a PDF file page and downloaded exactly how we printed it. Awesome. Very good. The cost of disobedience. This is a pretty important lesson as we look at Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 7. We need to pray. Father, help us. Because all of us are disobedient. I'm disobedient, Lord. There's a cost to this. And I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins. Relieve us of the consequences and teach us today through your Holy Spirit how doing the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way is always wrong. Help us, Lord, to align our thoughts and our feelings to follow, not to lead us, but to follow as we head in the direction that you have programmed for us through your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said that together, amen. Now, let's look at the scripture carefully and read it slowly. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his sedser and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Uh, this is rough, and this is, but we need, to, we need to see this. Willfully choosing to ignore the instructions of God is deadly. We must keep ourselves accountable before God in all things. Beloved, we are accountable to God, and we need to keep ourselves that way. You know, it's good to be accountable. A lot of people say, well, I make my own decisions my own way and I don't hurt anybody. Well, no, that's just not the case. Every decision you make affects somebody. So the decisions we make affect people. And so, beloved, we need to understand that. And as we understand that, we need to make right decisions. And as we look to God, our Lord Jesus, Savior, the Savior of the Lord of our lives, we need to make sure that we make decisions the right way in His way. 
not based on feelings, but it's based on following the direction of the Holy Spirit's words in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 3 says, And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Boy, beloved, we need to pay attention to this. Aaron held his peace. We must worship God in spirit and in truth, reverencing God and his holiness in our actions and our reactions. Now, many times you've heard me say this. You know, it's easy to act like a Christian, much harder to react like a Christian. And uh, some people challenge me on that, and they say, well, let me go with you wherever you drive, and we'll see if road rage is any part of your life. <laughs> and uh, that changes the conversation quite a bit. But the idea is that our reaction is more a part of us than our action. But God changes everything about us. When we come to the Lord and we ask him, Father, change me, you know what he does? He changes us. And beloved, we can change through the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. That becomes very, very important. Now let's go on because this gets more interesting as we read the scripture. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 4 to 7. Here's what it says. Then Moses called Mishael and Elishaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron. And he said to them, come near. Carry out your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them out by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eliezer and to Ithamar, his sons, Do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, Bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Now this is important. Obeying the Lord is based on His authority, not on our feelings. Obeying the Lord is based on God's authority, not on our feelings. God's word is the authority and key to our Christian walk. This idea of authority is fascinating because nobody wants authority anymore. Everybody's rebelling against everything. But let me tell you something. God has authority over every government. God has authority over every person, over every community, over every family. Because God created us. He is the God. He is the creator. And his authority is amazing and divine. Beloved, we don't need to rebel against his authority. We need his authority to straighten us out. Father, help us to recognize that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
All right, so of course, covered in our assigned reading today is the death of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. Uh, and it's quite shocking to us, I think, um, when we first read about how Aaron wasn't supposed to mourn for his sons, but we do see mourning going on in this chapter regardless, but it's by the community. The community was allowed to mourn for Nadab and Abihu. So I want to take a look at what this would have looked like. And in the scriptures, in Leviticus 11, it actually, God lists some of, Moses lists some of the things that uh, Aaron isn't supposed to do. And, and they're part of the mourning practices. Take a look. The Bible is very consistent in its portrayal of ancient Israelite mourning. People grieving the loss of loved ones, tragedy in the community, offenses against God, devastating warfare and the like are described as putting on sackcloth, tearing their clothes, taking off shoes, sitting on dust and ashes, putting dust and ashes on their heads, cutting or shaving their hair, and fasting. These actions could be done all together, individually, or in any combination, and likely went along with wailing and appropriate grieving songs and laments. There has been quite a bit of research that has gone on in trying to understand the significance of these mourning rituals, and even in attempting to track where they came from. It's been noted that all these practices involve humiliation of the mourners and in some way connect them to their own mortality, in a sense, becoming like the dead themselves, naked, returning to dust, not eating, and generally losing the physical markers of living people, like growing hair. As it is often said, there's no better time than a funeral to contemplate one's own mortality. In this sense, these mourning rituals would be grieving the specific loss of a loved one's life while broadly bemoaning the overall human condition of mortality before God. There has also been a noted progression of practice when it comes to sackcloth. In the early passages of the Bible, clothes are torn and removed, and then sackcloth is worn. In later tradition, sackcloth is worn in addition to torn garments. Sackcloth was a rough garment in the style of a loincloth. This dress, paired with going barefoot, has been seen as an association with the dead by some, as noted above, and by others, it's seen as removing a layer of civilization, as going back to how life would be without all of the systems that man has in place. In this case, it would be a way of remembering who we are, and that in the end, we're still mortal, even in the midst of our societal greatness. As Adam and Eve had to leave the garden just clothed and without shoes, so humanity is. Death is a great equalizer. There are also a few theories about putting dust and ashes on one's head during mourning. An older theory cites an ancient practice of burial in which a mound of dirt was put over the grave. This theory posits that mourners carried baskets of dirt to the gravesite on their heads to build the mound, leaving them with dirty hair and clothing, a sign to all that they had been involved in a funeral. This practice could then have been remembered by the act of putting dust and ashes on the head. Another theory comes from archaeologists excavating Beersheba. They discovered that the dirt of the city's streets was mixed with ashes. This process recycled household ash and had the benefit of increased durability. So when mourners are described as sitting on dust and ashes, these archaeologists put forward that they were sitting on public streets, conducting their mourning for all to see. So here, even though Aaron uh, wasn't allowed to mourn, even though I'm sure he felt like it, and we see that he does uh, 
he does refrain from doing part of his duty that involved celebration and, and God was okay with that. But he wasn't allowed to mourn because he had a very important part to play in Israel's national relationship with God. Someone had to do the work. It, it needed to get done. And so what we see then is then the community steps up and they mourn in Aaron's place because Aaron is acting on their behalf for God. So then they act on Aaron's behalf in mourning. So it's a it's a really interesting kind of relationship that they have with each other in in this instance. It really is. And uh, it's it's kind of hard to understand. But it, remember that God is the one who who put these two men to death because mm -hmm. they disrespected his holiness. Mm -hmm. And that's you don't want to do that. And so that there he's explaining to the people, this is not what we do. And so very, very interesting, Corey. Thank you, Ryan. All right, well, my segment is also talking about Leviticus 10. Of course, that's the chapter where Aaron's sons are struck down by the Lord. Now, as the Bible explains to us, these two guys committed a fatal offense against God, the Holy One of Israel. This was their offering of profane fire before the Lord. But what exactly does it mean to offer profane fire? What was it exactly that got them killed? Well, these are the questions that we're going to try to answer today. Leviticus chapter 10 records the tragic death of Aaron's two oldest sons, Nadab and Abihu, who each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. While there is no question in this passage regarding their cause of death, questions do arise regarding the exact cause for death. Actually, there were multiple infractions committed against the Lord here. First of all, as the Jamieson Fawcett Brown commentary points out, this incense service never was Nadab and Abihu's duty to begin with. This was a responsibility given first to Moses and then to the newly appointed high priest Aaron. Nevertheless, they entered in unauthorized and proceeded to offer up a fire which is described in Hebrew as profane, strange, different, or foreign. Nadab and Abihu apparently used coals of fire that were not taken from the brazen altar, as had been clearly prescribed by God earlier. This strange fire violated God's word and would have set a disastrous precedent. This act also most likely involved the entering into or trying to enter the most holy place. Because the prohibition of strong drink comes right after the deaths of Nadab and Abihu, many believe that these men were under the influence. Whatever the case, the sin of Nadab and Abihu consisted not only of their venturing in unauthorized to perform the incense service, which was the highest and most solemn of the priestly offices, and not only in their engaging together in a work which was the duty only of one, but in their presuming to intrude into the Holy of Holies, to which access was denied to all but the high priest alone. In this respect, they offered strange fire before the Lord. They were guilty of a presumptuous and unwarranted intrusion into a sacred office which did not belong to them. For the offering up of impure fire, the all-consuming and holy fire from the most holy place went out from the Lord and devoured them, though it appears that neither their bodies nor robes were consumed. God is a holy God and will never allow his holiness to be violated, not even by members of the high priest's family. So this is a very sobering incident, which is akin to what happened with Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. 
And in that New Testament passage, this husband and wife had sold a piece of their property in order to give the money to the church. But the problem was is that they deceptively held back part of the money for themselves. And for this, God killed them on the spot, just as he did with Nadab and Abihu. And it's important that we understand the true sin here. It wasn't that Ananias and Sapphira held back some of the money, since they, the money was already theirs, but that they lied about it to the Holy Spirit. And in both instances, God cannot be blamed for what followed. You know, it's like my grandfather, Ron Henry, wrote in his study Bible. He said, God always gives us ample information about his expectations of us. Nadab and Abihu, as well as Ananias and Sapphira, were well informed. Also keep in mind that most sin is done deliberately, not out of ignorance. Nadab and Abihu and Ananias and Sapphira did what they wanted and not what God commanded. So let's not make the same mistake that they did. Yeah, it's really important to keep that in mind. I, you know, and, and to try to lie to God. It's, I mean, you know, it, it strikes me as strange, yet it's a, a, a habit of sin. Mm -hmm. And I think of the first time that Adam and Eve sinned, they tried to hide from God behind yeah. a bush. Mm -hmm. Really? I mean, yeah. think about it. You know, we and even we lie to ourselves. So. We do. It's true. We do. And honesty is something that the Holy Spirit helps us to understand. And it's not always easy for us, but it becomes easier when we recognize that, yeah, we're we're bound in sin, but the Holy Spirit releases us from that sin through life and makes us better. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's really, really And important. God really does know us better than we know ourselves. Like, because as you said, you know, we can lie to ourselves, we can deceive ourselves, mm -hmm. but God knows what's really going on. Yeah, he does. Very good. Excellent. Well, and it's interesting too, and we can keep this discussion going because this is something, um, you know, that with my segment, I, I was really going to touch on because even, you know, you, Ryan and Jasmine, you know, with your wife, Jasmine, and you've got two young boys and Corey, you've got three young boys, you and Matlock, and you see the propensities in them. You know, you see the areas where, you know, they they try to do things. They try to get away with things. They think sometimes they're smarter than they are. And and there's consequences for their actions. Mm -hmm. And you and you um, discipline them, be, not because you, you want to be mean. You discipline them because you love them and you want them to learn. You want them to develop. And, and, and I think in this area, they, they need to also respect your authority. You as as their mom, you with your boys, you're their dad, and and they need that respect. But with that comes your love, mm -hmm. your great love, and I think that's what God is is showing and demonstrating to His people Israel, His great love and His great mercy, and He's the same God today as He was then. He extends Himself in love, and this verse right here, um, Nadab and Abihu had been taken out by God. And here's their father, Aaron. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. It was important for these men to respect and revere God as the authority that's what they were called to do. That's what they were dressed to do. That's what they were commanded to do. And they were irreverent. And the very next line says, so Aaron held his peace. He knew there was nothing that he could say. He knew that that was the truth. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, as, as we, you know, director, you might want to take a wide shot here in case anybody wants to respond, but we have to remember that God is holy. And I think in this day and age, we may have lost some of that, uh, especially in the West. It seems like people have a wish list of, mm-hmm. of what they want from God and they're, 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 you know, I want this, I want that, or if I do this, then I should get that back. Mm-hmm. And there's this kind of a relationship that really is not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. That God is holy. He, he, mm-hmm. we need to get back to that dependable childlike faith mm-hmm. trust in god that humble place in our hearts before god that we can be moldable and mm-hmm. learn from him mm-hmm. i think it's really ironic because in our culture we have in the west anyway we have such a push on individuality and you are your own you be authentic to yourself this is the 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 messaging that we hear from our culture all the time and yet we don't allow god to be who he says he is we don't respect that we 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 there's this tendency there's a there's a wave of of people who just want to say well i don't really like what you say about yourself god so i'm going to decide who you are mm. and and we want everyone to respect who we are and our truth and our individuality but we don't allow god the same the same thing uh and i think that that god has expressed very true. yeah that's very true. true god has expressed who he is in the bible mm-hmm. so we don't but we don't read the bible and, and 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 when and if we do read it, we need to be reading it to allow it to speak for itself, mm-hmm. to try to understand what it originally was trying to communicate, not what we think it was trying to communicate, or not what we want it to be communicating. So we Let read it, it not to entertain ourselves, right? But or we read prove it ourselves. or prove ourselves. Exactly, we read it to learn from yeah. him, and that's one of the reasons that you know we appreciate your segments and Ryan's segments, and that we take everyone, including us, through the entire book of the the Mm -hmm. Bible, every chapter, every verse, from the beginning to the end. We don't just pick and choose the things that make us feel comfortable Mm -hmm. or the things that we happen to agree with. Mm, That's really good, yeah. This is a good and thoughtful segment to be thinking about. Let's continue on with prayer. Well, I want to invite you to to come to Pastor Rod Hembry on YouTube because we do a teaching there through the Psalms and it's very exciting. Once a week we do a time when I take the Psalms and just dissolve it. And I really enjoy talking to you and hearing your comments and listening to you. So look up Rod Hembry on Facebook, Pastor Rod Hembry. Today we pray, Lord, I acknowledge your authority in my life, your authority in my life. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name. 